Pastor Greg, mm -hmm. in Seed Time and Harvest. Amen. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to try to continue where I left off uh, last service. So if you're interested in what we said last service, watch it. It'll be a blessing to you. But we're talking about seed time and harvest. And so just for to bring your to your remembrance, seed time and harvest is how God works in the earth. God does not work irrespective of this law. Seed, time, and harvest, okay? So when we understand how this operates and how this works, then it answers a lot of questions as to what has been going on in our life. It answers questions for what is going on in the world in general. And it will also give us insight on how to live the life that Jesus died for because he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. But many are not experiencing the abundant life. And they're wanting to put it all on God's shoulders as to why they're not experiencing certain things and certain aspects of their life. And we need to understand that God has provided all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He has given us the equipment. He has given us the ability. He has given us everything, but it's up to us to work the land. Now, it's not for salvation because we can't purchase our own salvation. We can't work enough to get what God did through Jesus Christ. Amen. But there is responsibility on the, on the believer to cooperate with spiritual laws and to use spiritual resources to bring about the life that Jesus came to give us. Amen. So a lot of people, they say, well, if God wants it done, he'll just do it. Well, God is sovereign. They don't really know what that means. I understand God is sovereign. God, God is God. Amen. But they mean it that God's in control of everything. Well, if he was in control of everything, let's look at you. Let's look at yesterday. Uh, I mean, come on now. It, it doesn't float. Uh, you know, whether you ate raisin bran or whether you ate corn puffs was not the preordained, predestined will of God, okay? I mean, goodness gracious, everything you did was the preordained, predestined will of God. Everything you ate, come on now, amen? No, God has created a system in which he works in and a system in which we are to work because man was placed in a garden to dress it and keep it. And that's the same principle in our lives. Where man was placed in a garden, God placed a garden in you. Amen. The Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians that you are God's garden. You are God's cultivated field is what another translation says. So we understand that if I'm going to bring about the unseen realities of the spirit realm, I'm going to bring them out through the garden that God has put within me, which is my recreated born again spirit. That is the garden of God. It is organic. God works organically. Amen. We want all this fantastical, 
you know, just extreme, you know, um, you know, just um, super, you know, superior things that just, you know, boggle the mind. And God just works through seed, time, and harvest. God heals you through seed, time, and harvest. This is your birthday sermon, okay? So you, you might want to be a little happier. <laughs> this is Kenneth's birthday. All right. How old now? 22, right? All right. I got saved at 22. That's a good, good age. Amen. He's been saved a lot longer than that, but praise the Lord. Amen. Happy birthday. Hallelujah. Seed time and harvest. You're a product of seed time and harvest. Everything's a product of seed time and harvest. Everything you're wearing, everything you interact with in this life is a result of seed time and harvest. We've got to understand that seed time and harvest doesn't just uh, pertain to the natural, our flesh. It pertains to our soul, and it also pertains to our spirit. We grow, activate, actuate, and operate in seed time and harvest in every area of our life. And so we need to stop when we look at the book of Genesis. We need to realize that the physical... Um, Garden and the physical man being put in the garden is also can be taken into the other realms as well. Because in your soul, you've got a garden as well. You know, in your spirit, you have a garden as well. Do you see what I'm saying? You sow things into it and it produces a harvest. Is that not right? I mean, think about, you know, with your body, okay? You sow certain seeds in it, such as food, drink, things of that nature. You uh, exercise and guess what? You get a harvest, some, not a good harvest. <laughs> Others, a better harvest. Come on now. But it's dependent upon what? How you work it. How you work it. Amen? If you don't work it, you don't just join a gym and sit in the gym on the couch while everybody's working out and say, well, I went to the gym today. You know, I'm, I'm in shape. You know, I've been going to that gym for five days a week for five years. Yeah, but you've been sitting down listening to music while everybody else is pumping iron, you know, and exercising. Just because you're in the gym does not mean. And just because you're in your garden doesn't mean you're working your garden. Okay, you can be there physically. You can sit there and just enjoy the breeze and look at the wildlife and all that stuff and not be working your garden. And then blame God for no harvest. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous for us to do that. Amen. And so let's look at the second chapter of, of, of Genesis. And I'm going to start with verse number four. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Okay. Now notice this. All right. It says these are the generations. Now you look up that generations. It uh, it's also used in regards of the generations of Adam, the generations of Cain, the generations of this, the generations of that. But it says the generations of the heavens and the earth. Now that word generation there, if you look it up, it means this. 
construct. Construct. It's very important for you to see this because God built a construct within the heavens and the earth. That means that he built a system in it. Amen? You know, the psalmist said, though I go to the highest heavens, you are there. Though I make my bed in hell, you are also there. So we know that God is in his creation, in the fact that his character and nature is in everything that he makes. If you were to buy an expensive painting from Van Gogh or from one of the great uh, masters of the medium, you know, that person may be long gone, might be dead. But yet the value of that painting is valuable because that person, that person's essence and his life was in that painting. Now, he is not the painting because God is not the earth. God is separate from his creation. However, his identifiable characteristics are in the creative elements of this world. Amen? You got to understand that. So that is why we have, you know, seed time and harvest, because that's God's justice in the earth. Did you know that? It's God's justice in the earth. What you sow, you're going to reap. The pagans call it karma. But you know what? This is long before karma. This is at the beginning. He says, a man shall be satisfied by the seed in which he sows. Amen? And that's good news and that's bad news because it works both ways. Amen? It works both ways. So when we look at generate, generation, it comes from generate. So he's talking about a system of generation, a, a generating our system in which God put within the earth. And that system is seed time and harvest. And that's the reason why he put the man in the garden. He said, you dress it, you keep it. It's figurative, not only of what we can see, but also of what we do not see. Amen. I can sow to the flesh and get muscles. I can sow to the flesh and grow. I can sow to the flesh. I can sow to my mind and I can create certain harvests in my mind. I can create a harvest of knowledge or a harvest of understanding or a harvest of pride or a harvest of arrogance. Amen. Uh, spiritually, I sow the word of God. I sow life into my entire being when I sow into the word of, in, into my spirit. Amen. Because that's the garden of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, Notice in the third chapter of the gospel, our, our Genesis, which is basically the, the proto-evangelon, the, the first gospel message, after Adam had sinned and transgressed, God, who made him a gardener, basically said this. He said in verse 17, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Okay, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain and in toil shall you, you know, cultivate the earth. Now, this isn't just true physically. This is true also in all of the areas. Spirit, 
soul, and body. Do we, are we on the same page? Do you understand that? See, because man was separated from God through his disobedience, the garden doesn't work right. The garden grows thorns and thistles and goat heads and all kinds of other weeds. It does not grow the proper produce. It does not produce or generate what it was created to generate. It generates from the law of sin and death. Therefore, your seed is tainted, which causes you to walk around in life perpetually speaking seed that grows a bitter harvest. That's man's condition. And that's what Jesus came to save you from. Jesus came to save you from an existence. Well, let's look over at um, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In verse number one, it says, and now you were, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is the spiritual condition that you were in. Now, death is not a cessation of life. It is a quality of life. It is life irrespective of the source of creation, the generating capabilities that were put within you when you were initially created. You don't have those abilities anymore. Amen? So you're dead, separated from God. You don't have the ability to bring out good seed because you don't have anything good. Well, come on now. On the inside of you. I'm, the Bible tells you who you really are. You might think that you're good. I'm a good old boy. I, you know, I do this and I do this and I, I you know... <clears throat> I help out the soup kitchen and I do all this stuff. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hello. You can do good things, but you ain't good. <laughs> Amen. You can say nice things. Doesn't mean you're nice. Hello. See, goodness comes from God. God is good. Man is not good. Fallen man is not good at all. Hello? We got to understand that. You got to come to grips with that before you can even receive salvation. People don't like this kind of gospel preaching, but it's the truth. You got you to admit what the Bible says you are. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were enemy of God. People don't want to admit that. They like to add Jesus like a little pin, you know. What do they call that? Uh, virtue signaling. They like to virtue signal Jesus, you know, by just, just saying, I'm a Christian and stuff. But yet they really have not come to grips with the fact that they were an enemy of God. They were depraved. They were filled with unrighteousness and that they were sons of the devil. <laughs> Oh, that goes over real good. But, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You only harvested weeds because you sowed that seed in everything you did. Even when you were good, supposedly good to someone, it had a motive behind it. 
the source of it wasn't good. And if the source isn't good, the seed's no good. Your words are seed, your intents are seed. If you intended to do something, that is a seed that is planted in the earth. Over and over in the scripture, in God's dealing with the Canaanite tribes and the fact that he wanted to eradicate them out of the promised land because they were there illegally, because that was given to Abraham, okay? Um, you remember Amalek, uh, um, the Amalekites. The Amalekites came after Israel after they had been delivered from the promised land and they had just crossed the Red Sea and they were going towards the, uh, the promised land. The Amalekites came from behind and got the sick and the afflicted, or they weren't sick, but older people and children and went after the weaker parts of the camp. They went to destroy Israel as they were in transition. And that's a type and shadow that when you're in transition, you always got to watch your back. Amen. And so the enemy snuck up and, and, and began to afflict, you know, the aged and the, the vulnerable members of the children of Israel. And God marked that. They sowed the seed. Therefore, God was going to bring retribution to that. And he went through progressively bringing that retribution because God is a gracious God who offers repentance to all. But he made a dec decree. I'm going to take care of Amalekites. I'm going to take care of Amalek because he intended to kill all of Israel. He didn't do it, but he intended. And because he intended to do it, I'm going to get rid of all of them. Now that's how seed time and harvest works in the realm of judgment, in the realm of judgment of nations as well. Do you understand that? Is it God's desire for anyone to perish? No. But the system works the way the system works. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not God's desire for Israel to go through the hardships that they went through, but they sowed the seed, they went through the time, and they received the harvest. Even though it was not God's will for them to have the harvest, it is God's will that the harvest come. Do you understand that? Because God's a just God. Okay, that went over real well. All right. <clears throat> Notice this. And, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you all once lived in the passions of our flesh, of your flesh. That's the word sarks in the Greek. That does not talk about soma. Another Greek word is soma. It just means body. He's talking about the nature of the flesh. How many realize that you dealt with your flesh today? How many dealt with it a little bit more than they wanted to today? Okay, your flesh said, don't come to church. It's raining. That's sarks. That's the nature of the flesh. Your body is not redeemed. When you were born again, your body didn't change. Your spirit changed. Your soul is in the process of changing because you're here listening to the word of God. But your body still has the same desire and appetites. The body has to be brought in subjection. 
the attitudes of the flesh and the appetites of the flesh have to be brought under. They have to be continuously overlooked and overseen. Otherwise, your flesh will do whatever it wants to do. Your flesh, even with you're born again, even if you're born again and your name's written in heaven, if you allow your flesh to operate at full capacity, you will do things you swore you never would do again because your flesh has the capacity to cause those things to begin to become appetites again in your life. So when you were unsaved, when you were lost and dead in your trespasses and sins, it says that you walked according to the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But I like the next verse, but God. Amen, but God. Hallelujah. So right there, he's telling you why you had the harvest you had before coming to Christ. You had it because you had a nature that was opposed to God. Your garden only grew weeds, thorns, thistles, and every time you opened your mouth, those seeds popped out and got into your family, got into your business. Oh, come on now. <laughs> it got in everywhere, man. Got in everywhere. Your attitude towards things, poop. That's the reason why, you know, you won't be rewarded for those things. You've got a bad attitude. Some people serve, they got a bad attitude serving. They're not going to get any reward. I know people don't like to talk about this, but this is the truth. I'm teaching you the truth here, okay? I'm teaching you how you can change the harvest because that's what Jesus came. Jesus came to change your harvest. Amen. He came to change your harvest. But first, you've got to take personal responsibility for your life. Hello. Amen. You've got to take personal responsibility for the decisions that you've made, the actions that you've made, the words that you've spoken. Hello. Because the harvest that you're presently experiencing is based upon the seed that you sowed previously. If you're not sowing the proper seed, you're not going to get the proper harvest. Now, I'm not saying that there's not an enemy that will try to hurt your harvest or try to keep you from reaping that harvest. But I'm telling you, if you know the principles of seed time and harvest and cooperate with them by faith, because you have to have faith to sow, you have to have faith to go through the time period, and you've got to have faith to harvest. Now, understand this, and this is a principle that has to be said over and over and over again. You're responsible for the bookends of that statement that's up there. You're the one that's supposed to sow seed, and you're the one that's supposed to harvest. God is not going to take your harvest and put it in the barn for you, nor is he going to sow the seed for you. Where God does his work in our life is in the time. 
the process. And in fact, God does more in that period than you can ever imagine because he transforms and he changes us during that time period. From the minute we sow the seed to the period of time until we reach the harvest, the process is the product. He transforms us, he changes us. And I'm telling you, there's times where you just want to give up and believe there ain't going to be any harvest. But he's continuously working, bringing out Christ's character in our lives because he wants to change the production of our life by transforming us into the image of his son. And that's what the time does. Hello. Okay. Galatians. Go back one Galatians chapter 6. We read this last week, but it, it bears repeating. How many realize you don't just get the word just by reading it one time? It says in verse number, um, let's see, let's go with verse number 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That is not negotiable. That is, he might reap it. It is, you sow, you're going to reap. Now that's good for those that are sowing righteous seed. But that also can be bad for those that are sowing bad seed. You've got to see relationships, your business, and the areas of your life as gardens. What are you sowing into them? Because what you're getting back is a result of what you've sown in. See, the world has sold, uh, has sold us a victimized mentality that has caused us to believe that we are victims and that life comes at us for no particular reason whatsoever. And there's absolutely nothing. It just happens. And there are things in which we are attacked by the enemy. I will give you that. But I will tell you that the more I learn about the kingdom of God, the more I understand that Satan is a legalist and he only comes in which he has access to. So if I understand that I can shut the door on him, then I can operate at a higher level of existence. I don't have to be a victim. I can be an overcomer. How am I an overcomer? I'm an overcomer by the things that God has given me to overcome. See, many people positionally are overcomers. Every believer positionally is an overcomer. Did you know that? But experientially, it's at degrees. Some are experiencing victory in one area and not experiencing victory in the other. And it all has to do with seed time and harvest. It's an amount of work that you're putting into that area of your life. If you want to see more abundance in your body, the fruit of your body, physical body, you need to sow into that area of your life. If you want to see greater expansion in business, greater expansion in finances, you got to sow in that area. You got to work that part of your garden. Gardens have sections. If you've ever set up a garden, they've got sections. You don't put certain things by certain other things. 
Now, I can't tell you what that is because I didn't listen to my dad. <laughs> but he'd say, son, don't put that there. Don't put that by here. Put that over here. This corner's for this. This corner's for that. And it usually it's put in four, you know, in fours. And so he would put that in there and we would have certain things. And it had to do with cross-pollinization, things of that nature that I don't, didn't understand. And your life has sections. Hello. It has areas that you have to focus on and you can neglect one side of the garden. Amen. You can have a bountiful harvest in the realm of healing and just, you know, believe God, you know, it, it just comes automatically, but you might be struggling when it comes to provision. Or you might have great provision and then suffer physically because you've chosen to, to, you know, emphasize that part of your garden. See, seed time and harvest works in all these areas. Amen? So it says that we, uh, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But notice it gives us the two seed bags that we are to, that we have. And we have a choice to operate by throwing seed down from one or throwing seed down from the other. Amen? Jesus has given us that choice. He's given us the responsibility. We have an ability to respond differently than the world responds. When problems and crisis come to our life because of what Jesus has done in our life, because of the wisdom of his word, and because of the leading of the Holy Spirit, you and I can overcome situations by working in our garden and receiving a different harvest than those who are in the world that do not have access to these things. Amen? But see, you've got to work the equipment. Well, I don't know why God didn't do this. And God's done everything. He's given you the land. He's given you the soil. He's given you the rain. He's given you the sunshine. He's given you the tractor. He's given you the barn. And he's given you the seed. God's given you everything. But it would be stupid of me to never, not one time, get on the tractor Never at one time go, even go out in the field and sit on my porch and drink my tea and then get mad at God. <laughs> and people do this all the time. People do this all the time and get mad at God. Well, you know, you, you know someone shows up and, and, and asks me, you know, hey, uh, how's the garden going? Well, it's God's. God's. God will just grow whatever he wants. It's just God. Whatever God wants, God's will. Hello. You got to understand this. See, people will do this in, in marriage. I used this illustration in the last service. But, uh, you know, people will have problems in their marriage. And uh, you'll say, you know what? You need to stop looking out the window and you need to start looking in the mirror and you need to see what kind of seed you're sowing. Because if you're producing strife, there's something that you're sowing that's bringing it out. 
Hello, come on now. It's all seed time and harvest. So if you do what you've always done, you're going to have what you've always had. So you've got to change the seed that you're sowing. So, you know, you'll counsel them. They'll get, feel real encouraged. They'll go back to their homes. And a week later, they're calling, weeping on the phone. <laughs> I did exactly what you said, Pastor. I did exactly what you said. I got her flowers. I, I bought her Julio Iglesias CDs. I, you know, I took her out to eat. I, you know, I, I did all this stuff. I've been nice. I've held my tongue. And nothing's changing. Nothing's changing. I'm going to, this is foolishness. I'm going to stop it. It's the same for a farmer to go out and till the land, sow the seed, and then go to his house and then get up, you know, week later, and it's not even sprouting out of the ground. And they're going, I tilled the land. I put the seed in. Where are the tomatoes? Where? Because it's seed, time, and harvest. Amen? See, people, you know, notice what, what this scripture says. For the one who sows to his own flesh, word sarks, not soma, sarks, sows to the nature, attitudes, and appetites of the flesh. How many know what that is? Everybody is an expert in this field. You are an expert planner, whether you want to admit it or not. We know how to sow to the appetites and desires of the flesh. Amen? We do. People that are overly emotional and operate from their emotions and speak from their emotions are people that are sowing to the appetites and desires and proclivities of the flesh. Hello? Well, I just got to let it out. I just got to give them a piece of my mind. I just got to, you know, I, I can't let that go. I got to get in it. What's your, what are you doing? You're sowing to the sarks. And the Bible says this. For those who sow to his own flesh will from the flesh, notice that, from the flesh, because that's the field you sowed in. Notice that. Isn't that amazing that he put it there twice? Because we could have just said that a little differently, couldn't we? He said, he that sows the flesh reap corruption. That's most of the way that we, that's most of the way we um, recite the scripture. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. No, it says if you sow to the flesh from your flesh, you're going to receive corruption. Hello. I have to tell this story again because, you know, it, it helps people. But in, in 2016, you know, I got sick, got put in the hospital. All right. My flesh was ailing. I had a low heart strength, and I didn't know where it was coming from, high blood pressure, just a whole lot of problems, all right? So the first thing that comes in your mind when you get hit like that, 
because Mike Tyson said it so well. Everybody has a plan until they're hit in the face. You think you're a victim. That's the first thing, victimization. I can't believe that this happened to me. I can't believe that God allowed this stuff. And God sat there and listened to me, bellyache and, and moan about it and question him. Hello. Sometimes we get accusatory in our tone towards the Lord, especially when we go through test and trial. And he was silent, loving, you know, never left me, never forsook me, but didn't necessarily come into those kinds of conversations. <laughs> he kind of held his peace. And, uh, you know, I was so in seed that wasn't going to help my situation. Me, me complaining and whining about anything never helps anything. It's going to make that time go a lot longer. And so I'm belly aching, you know. I'm a victim. That mean old devil. He's just coming after me because, you know, I'm so good. That's the mentality that we have. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes. I know that. Because we're absolutely good. We're pristine. We're wonderful. Every decision we make is the right one. The way we see life is the way it should be seen. Our relationships are pristine and perfect. It's their problem. If they, we've got a problem in the relationship, it's on their end. It's not on mine. I'm perfect. And that's the pride mentality that man has. See, the only way you're ever going to get anything from God is you learn to humble yourself. And because I was hit by a situation, I was not in a humble frame of mind. Generally, you know, people that have went through situations don't have a tendency to be very humble about it. They tend to get very stiff-necked about it. Hello. And they begin to build systems that protect themselves through pride. Hello. Well, you know, I sat there for a little bit with this mindset but over time, God began to talk to me as I began to open myself up to him and humble myself. See, the first thing that you need to do when, when, when something attacks your life is not sit there and bind the devil. You better check yourself. Because it's the devil you know that's given you the problem. Hello. So I'm sitting there, it's 2016, and I'm wondering why I'm in this spot. And God starts talking to me about 2013. Oh, you didn't get that. We're talking about seed time and harvest. <laughs> I'm trying to save you hospital bills, guys. I'm trying to save you money. I really am. I'm sitting there wondering why I'm where I'm at with the harvest I got in 2016. And he's not talking to me about 2016, Greg. He's talking about three years back. Wow. 
And I'm telling you, this was a process. This wasn't just one conversation. How many know what I'm talking about? It wasn't just one conversation where we sat and hashed everything out. I mean, I had to take it in little drips because everything he was giving me was so, oh my gosh. Mercy, Lord, mercy, mercy, Lord. Come on. Where before I was wanting to activate my rights, Now he's brought me to humility, to mercy. Mercy, Lord. I begin to see myself as I truly am. And that's where God works. Did you know God only works with real things? There's a lot of pretense that we bring into our walk with God. There's a lot of boasting. There's a lot of braggadocia. Well, I prayed for this and got this and, and I got this and I believe God and I, 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 I. And we wonder why. When the Bible says the prideful shall be brought low. Well, I was in a low spot in that hospital room. The Bible doesn't say your goodness shall make you low. It says your pride will bring you low. So he starts talking to me about 2013. And that was a rough year, man. That's a year that I would love to forget. It was rough for the church. It was rough for me. There was mutiny on the bounty. And it was rough. And there were relationships that went south, situations that just went places I thought they'd never go. I was heartbroken over them, but I was also mad and bitter about it. Hello. Why would God go back to uh, sowing time and want to deal with that why don't he just give me a harvest of healing? Because he wants to correct the soil. Are you with me? You see, because I would have just grown that stuff up again. If I, if I didn't learn, you know, I'd just grow up and be in the same spot. Hello, there's people that die prematurely because... They don't deal with their garden. You know, when you bring it up, hey, you got this big old nasty weed in there. What are you talking about? That's beautiful. <laughs> I grew that myself. How dare you talk about that area of my life? I can't believe you brought that up. See, we get very defensive. Hello? Hello? I remember praying for people many times, the Lord will say, ask them about their spouse. Ask them about their children. You know, ask them about their job. Many times, any, any ministers testify? Ask them about relationships. Because there's no greater heartbreak than in relationships. 
And even when they do you wrong, the system still works. It doesn't say, oh, okay, I see what they did there, Hoot. I I see what they did there, Harrison. I'm going to give you a pass. Not one time. It is unforgiving. (laughs) A man reaps what he sows, regardless. If they hurt you, you have a choice by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God to either allow a harvest of bitterness to grow in your life or a harvest of healing. You've got a choice. You see, you've got the ability to choose which seed you're going to sow. And you know, while I wasn't, you know, I was pretty loquacious about the situation. I just have to be honest with you. You know, I was telling everybody who would listen to my sad tale of woe. And I was talking about it all the time in my head. Reenact over and over the hurt and the pain and the bad words. And then my mind, my imagination would create movies in which alternative realities would come forth in which I was the hero that was decapitating the head of my offenders. Hello. You know, revisiting conversations with people and getting alternative dialogue from the devil to speak into that situation. And all of a sudden, there's a harvest going on in my soul He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You're more responsible for your health than you ever realize. Now, thank God he's still Jehovah Jireh. Thank God he, he's healed us. Praise God. But you know what? The devil does not reinvent the wheel. He uses the same system that God created, but it turns against you. See, he doesn't have a new system. He just works within God's system. And he gets you to operate and sow seed that create the avenue and license for him to come in and afflict you. Oh, this is fun. But notice it says, I love these butts. Amen? I like butts in the Bible. Amen? It says, but the one who sows to the Spirit... Will from where? From where? So it doesn't automatically go to change your flesh yet. It doesn't automatically go to change your situation. It just, you get the answer in your spirit. And see, once you get it in your spirit, you're able to sow, oh, you're not getting this. Are you getting this, Daniel? Are you getting this? Once you get that downloaded in your spirit, there's new seed that can, oh, come on now. There's new seed that can go out into your situation. 
Amen? Because when you sow to the Spirit, you reap in your spirit or by the Spirit, and you're able to praise God. Notice what it says. Reap eternal life. Now, we've got to understand that eternal life is not just about heaven. Eternal life is about a quality of life. It is life as God has it. Jesus said, I am come that you might have zoe. That's life as God has it. And that you might have it more abundantly. How am I going to experience it? Seed time and harvest. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Couple of scriptures that we need to look at. Uh, let's look at Romans. We've kind of looked at this, but I want to just hammer this point down because I guarantee you you're going to be tested the minute you leave this building. The enemy's going to test you. And you've got to learn to discern seed. Because these two seed bags are with you all the time. Until you leave this earth, you're going to have this stuff to deal with. Until your body is totally transformed and you got your full redemption, your body's still going to have its appetites, it's going to have its attitudes, it's going to have its proclivities, it's going to have its nature. So you're walking around with a seed bag that has the potential of sabotaging your life at any given moment, at any given time. One sowing of a seed can totally alter your whole life. But good news is, is one seed from the Spirit can also change. So these have the potential of changing and altering our lives and bringing in things that we either want or do not desire. But the thing that we need to understand is it's up to us. We have been given the decision to either yield to the flesh or yield to the spirit. Hello. How many have been flirting around in the office, sending seedy emails of a sexual nature around? I don't know why I'm using this, but the Lord's given it to me, so I'm going to go with it. None of you in this room would ever do that, I understand. We're talking about those other people. But you're flirting around with stuff and giving seedy emails and saying little perverse things that are kind of cute. Okay? You don't think anything's going on. You don't have any idea. How many have ever sent something and said, I wish I hadn't sent that? <laughs> How many have said something and say, I wish I hadn't said that? Maybe you've been in a situation in which you've done something that is not verbalized, but your body language and the way that you did it, you think, I shouldn't have acted that way. What are you doing? You are conceding to the fact that what you did in secret matters to your life. 
It absolutely matters. Jesus said it this way. He said, whatever's said in secret is going to be shouted from the rooftops. He said, whatever you do when you think in the secret part of your life is going to show up because of what? Seed time and harvest. You can have a nasty attitude towards somebody and put a good face on it, put a good face. It's not coming from the right source. It's coming from this. And then you wonder why you get fired and you blame God. God, I can't believe I lost that job. Well, it's, what, what kind of seed were you sowing? Come on now. That's the reason why the Lord tells us to do all things with a joyful heart. You know, it, it, it's a, because it's about seed, guys. It's about seed. I may not like what I do, but I'm supposed to do it a certain way. Oh, you, nobody likes this stuff. That's okay, though. I'm going to keep on sloshing it on. <laughs> hey, I'm the lunch lady, and I'm giving you extra. I'm giving you extra. Come on now. I'm laying it on thick. Take some more. Hello. Cream of toast or whatever I've got. I'm, I'm giving it. It may not be exciting to you, but I'm going to slop it on. Because I'm sick and tired of Christians being in hospital beds and don't need to be. I'm sick of Christians getting divorced and don't need to get divorced. I'm tired of people losing their financial well-being when they could have operated in seed time and harvest and overcome. Listen, we have the capability in Christ Jesus to overcome all things. But we can't just sit on our duff Hello. Okay. I, I tell you what, the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 18. Paul says, For I know that nothing good, notice this, Paul understands his situation. Nothing good dwells. In me. Now he qualifies it because that's not an entirely true statement. Okay? He says, that is in my flesh. So get this revelation number one today. If you don't get anything at all from anything else that I said, pinch yourself and say, there's nothing good in this. There's no good in this. Now, that's the opposite of the way we treat it. We pamper it and pleasure it, and if it gets whining and crying, we seek to accommodate it. But the, but the Bible is clear that there's nothing good in your flesh. You might say, man, I look good. Well, that's going to change. <laughs> That's going to change. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, who is this person? How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you young people don't get that yet, but you'll be sitting there. because, See, I think I'm just like I was when I was 18. Come on, how many can testify? 
You, you see yourself like you're 18, man. You don't see yourself. You look in the mirror and go, what? <laughs> you might be looking good. You might be at the proper weight. You might have six-pack abs. But it's all going to change because there's nothing good. There's nothing good in your flesh nature. Nothing. Even when the flesh does good things, it always is manipulative and operates in witchcraft. Trying to manipulate and get people, trying to be nice to get what you want. There's not anything good. Settle it in your life right now. But the Bible says there is good. But where is it? Well, let's look at Philemon. Philemon. There's only one chapter in Philemon. In verse number six. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay. It says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. So there are good things. If you're born again here today, if you have Christ living on the inside of you, you have a good thing on the inside of you. So what does that mean? That means this that I have the ability to either draw seed from something that has no good in it. We could call that bad seed. Or I got the ability to always yield up good seed from the things that Christ has done in me. So that means if I've been forgiven, I forgive. You see what I'm saying? The good forgiveness of God that's in me, I give it out. That's the real, whole purpose of, of where Jesus said, give and it shall be given. That's not necessarily about money. It's about mercy. It's about grace. It's about forgiveness. It's about yielding certain things up. There are people who feel like, I'm always misunderstood. Well, you've sown the seeds of misunderstanding. Somewhere in your life, you have neglected. God was talking to me about 2013 and 2016. I felt like I was in a movie. God wanted to tell me a story. Now, let's go back to a galaxy far, far away <laughs> in which you engendered strife and cultivated turmoil in your life by meditating on wrong things. And of the flesh you have reaped corruption. But my word says I'll heal you. My word says I'll take care of you. But it requires something that, that is a bad harvest killer. It's called repentance. You can, you can kill a bad harvest by just repenting. <laughs> oh, that's good news. 
That's real good news. You know, the devil's been cultivating something in you, been talking to you about someone in your life and been sowing the seeds. Oh, they don't care about you. And, you know, they're just, they're just, they just want something, you know. This isn't a legitimate relationship, you know. And you start getting uneasy about it and he starts uh, cultivating this plant. Well, when you get with God and you say, you know what, I'm having trouble with this relationship. Lord, I know I'm not. Here, here's a great prayer to pray. I'm not, I know I'm not right. And I know that I don't know everything. And I know that I am not, and my flesh is no good thing. Lord, show me, reveal to me, help me, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. I'm relying on you. And when he gives it to you, then you have the ability to repent. And what happens is, is that thing is pulled right out of your life. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've ran out of time. But you can see very clearly how this works. Can you not? So what are we going to make a decision to do? We're going to yield to the spirit and not to the dictates of the flesh. Hello. I have more to do with my harvest than I realize because I'm the one that sows the seed. God's system will grow what I put in it. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, God's system works. The earth bringeth forth fruit of itself. See, you decide to do a garden, you're taking a patch of land that has grown on its own. It's grown whatever it wants to grow. Whatever the wind blows in it, and it embeds down there, it's going to pop up. Okay? You can take an old post, metal post, drive it into the ground, and when you pull it up, it'll be wet. It's because the earth is trying to bring life to it. Anything you put in the soil has life, life is going to try to surge through it and change it and cause it to grow. Now, it can't make that post grow, but it can grow something around it. Come on, you've all seen that. It will, you can put a stick in the ground, and if you leave it there long enough, it's going to start doing something. It's going to start creating some kind of system because God is a God of life. And when we sow the proper seed in the proper soil, it will produce what God set out to produce it. The enemy knows this. He saw the earth as it was created and formed. He saw the generations of the heaven and the earth. He knows how it works. But yet we're ignorant as to how it works. So he preys upon our ignorance. And he gets you to cooperate with him on your own destruction and enslavement. By getting you to cooperate with a system that is God-ordained and cannot fail. But once you cut off that access point, 
by being dead to sin and alive unto righteousness, you can begin to sow the proper seed. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be vermin and there's not going to be pestilence that's going to come against your harvest. I'm not saying that. You're going to have to deal with that stuff too. But you can change the harvest of your life right now. Amen. Jesus has given you that ability. He's given you all the things that you need to live a more victorious existence through this principle. Seed time and harvest. Your marriage can change. Your body can change. Your finances can change. Your business can change if you cooperate with these. Amen? Did you get anything out of that? That help you? Amen. Well, we're going to have ministers up here. If you need to be born again, need to rededicate your life, need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, need to be healed, delivered, or you need crop failure, they'll be more than happy to assist and help you. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good and greatly to be praised. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.